Welcome to East Coast DNA. This is Darcy and I'm Andrew. We're brothers from Nova Scotia and this podcast is covering East Coast musicians. Originally starting to be the re-emergence of live music since COVID started. Now it is since COVID restrictions were lifting, I guess. Yes. And uh, it's wide open. It's wide open. Uh, yeah. Last week we had a super episode with nominees for Rock Performance of the Year. Correct. That's what it was. Recording. Rock Recording of the Year. Same difference at this point. Yeah, I think it's the same. Um, and we released a two-hour episode. This week we're cutting it up and we're going Monday to Friday. So what's the theme this week, Darcy? Originally we were reaching out to uh, entertainers of the year, but... Uh, couple things one we quickly realized that uh, as we were gathering notes for some of the interviews that most of the entertainment year in other categories well mm-hmm. which uh, made it a little interesting and on top of that the uh, hurricane fiona that ripped through the east coast and just destroyed everything when was that was that recent yeah it was uh maybe sleep yeah i think that, was, that was when i was doing interviews and then I woke you up right when the power came back on. When, I was when did just hurricane happen while you were sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that kind of put a little bit of a pause on some of the little free of interviews that I, I was doing for the East. But uh, we do have another set of five. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you and I had discussed, we figured uh, instead of releasing another two-hour episode, maybe this one would break up a little bit. And with everybody... Uh, doing cleanup or resting and recovering a little bit from all of the cleanup and devastation that happened in the region. We thought maybe it might be a little bit of a distraction for people, some extra entertainment content. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when I listen to podcasts the most as if I'm out cleaning brush or burning or yep. doing doing laundry, dishes. Yeah. All, all of the fun stuff that everyone fell behind on when they had no power for the better part or more than a week in some case. Yeah, I still got friends that still have no power and they don't think it's coming back till Tuesday. So they'll be... Got, it's almost 10 days now. So they're going to be like yeah. almost two weeks before they get power back. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, that would stink. And to close out the week with our Friday episode, Michael Ryan got a little bit jealous of Bruce. So here's his own interview. From the Town Heroes. We just had Bruce on. Yeah. And, I mean, we talked about the Town Heroes a few times throughout the year on, because it's all East Coast music. Yeah. Uh, of, of course, you guys have come up a few times. And uh, where we just had Bruce on, we covered a couple little things. But now you yourself as well. Yeah. You had a uh, book out. And yeah. you had a solo album out. Copy of my books, just conveniently sitting in my studio. Here. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, everyone. Yeah, it was. Uh, the pandemic was uh, one of the busiest creative times of my life, for sure. It was just uh, kind of a little bit afraid to to lose lose uh, fans and lose just um, you know what's what, the opportunities that might come. So. I was already had a lot of things in the in progress, so it was just diving straight into the creative zone and seeing what could I could create from that. So ended up putting out uh, well three albums really. My solo one, 
the acoustic town heroes one home our our latest album and the book so it was uh yeah and i know a lot of people kind of found found it a hard time to create but i was the opposite it was just <laughs> dive in head first and see what happens and then your life partner as opposed to your music partner <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys have collaborated a few times like where she was doing paintings i did one yeah. did attend one at your house actually where she was doing the painting and yeah you yeah. guys were performing so aside from that you guys wrote the book together and then you have a podcast that kind of spun out of the book but it's become yeah. its own thing too because i've been listening to it it's great thank you thank and you you get a nice mixture of guests in there too um george woodhouse is somebody that you yeah. worked, worked with as well like yeah, I, I uh produced his album as well so and he was yeah, one of our guests he's a good friend so mm -hmm. the working on his album was just a, a great experience to to produce uh another person's full-length album that's not my own like i've i have been able to work on a number of albums in the last couple of years but um doing i did everything on that i recorded it mixed it mastered it uh produced it so it was just a completely all in on that as well and uh he's just a lovely guy so it was nice to be with him and his band for an extended period of time because when and you take on a, a, an album you're producing an album you're going to be with those people a lot so yeah i could imagine because <laughs> it's not just necessarily a it's not like a live show where you just sit down and play for an hour or two and then you're like oh the recording's done you, there's yeah, a lot of yeah, back and forth and yeah a lot of little things you're focusing on so one of the uh people that was in attendance when i was at your house that was helping uh serve some food and whatnot uh yeah. they, they're actually in george's band uh, the public service yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Bob. is uh was that recording going on at the time is that why she happened to be there uh george's recording or uh, yeah well, well, I, I recorded a track for her as well uh that she released oh, okay paul poppy and that was a couple of years ago before i actually started on george's album oh, okay she has a single out right now under her name paul poppy and also sings in george's band well i'll have to check out her yeah solo thing there too and now being from cape breton i'd i know some of the connections from cape breton like when i see music scene stuff and i see your halifax connections like some of the people you collaborated and everything with but now i have some selfish questions with you i, I where i met you before i asked a couple random things here and there and i've been reading your book and i listen to the podcast so I, I already have a lot of my personal questions thanks, answered thanks for the support there first and foremost oh it's it's very easy you guys uh kind of indirectly became part of my bubble at the end of covid there with all your uh isolation bingos and yeah. doing doing all your videos and everything it was just when there started to be live shows you were people i was going to see too it was yeah. almost like i felt like you were part of my bubble Oh, that's, that's nice to hear. And you indirectly, uh, helped me make a new friend in the process too. So uh, hello to Krista Crane out there. She's hey, watching Krista. Those. I'm sure she's listening. Yeah. Um, our libido, that was, that was oh, one. Nice. And, and I've got another one, uh, yeah, 
folded policy. I was curious. Is that from back in uh, Billy's Flick days that you have connections with these guys? Or well, our libido, the bass player Jesse Frazier, he's from my hometown in Inverness in Cape Breton. And so when I was, uh, I guess I would have been in junior high, our libido was starting to kind of make their claim as you know one of the one of the great bands in the East Coast and me and my friends we just adored them and we'd go to all their shows and get in the mosh pits and I just remember watching them on stage and thinking they were like the best band you could ever see and uh, they even we had a career day at my school once and my school was not very progressive in any manner whatsoever but they happened to have a young alternative rock band at uh, career day and I remember they were in the cafeteria and they played a few songs and then had a Q&A and someone asked uh, what do you would you say to young inspiring musicians maybe even I asked the question I can't remember and they said, uh, don't do it. <laughs> They're they kind of joking, but uh, half series at the same time because they were seeing how hard it was to make a career out of it. But yeah, I, I love them early on. They definitely inspired me to play music uh, and to pursue writing songs and trying to build a, a fan base around it. And some of the most fun I ever had was at their shows and just, just seeing what you could do with a group of people in front of you was just like create this joyous occasion like there'd be 300 kids in there screaming their heads off and just having a blast and and then shortly after that my bands we started to play teen dances and not we didn't have that exact same uh feeling and energy because we weren't that good yet but uh you know people did enjoy us and would pay five dollars to come see us and uh, then we started to play at a local bar in my hometown when I was about 16. We had to sign waivers to get in and play and try to get all our teachers out to come watch us. But yeah, our libido, definitely uh, early days, very inspiring to, to me, my music career. And uh, Folds of Policy, that, well, a couple of members went on to become the Sandfields. Yeah. And uh, another band I used to play in years back called silver gun with jason mcisaac from the stanfields as well uh we used to play some shows with folds of policy here and there and just really liked them and had some good parties with them and then well john and the gang kind of became our our best buds in different ways so sure so bruce came into the picture through billy's flick yeah yeah that would have been yeah multiple years before the 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 silver gun thing. Billy's okay. flick was in like 2002. Okay. 2002, and- I think we, or 2003, I was in university. We were all, three of us were in university. We, uh, our summer job was playing, well, playing music. And all our friends would wake up and go, uh, whatever, work mowing lawns or doing something they hate it and we just got to write songs and play music and at the end of the summer we decided we wanted to just keep it going and see how far we could take it so uh we left left university and uh i was at saint of x and any issue at the time moved from there to halifax to just see where we could take it and Bruce wasn't in the band. Uh, the old drummer we had with us didn't move to Halifax, but we met him 
very shortly on and he he joined the band and then we eventually got him to quit university too so there you go you're, you're yeah. very encouraging to quit in university but yeah. but you're doing what you want to do and you're still doing it so i mean yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't the wrong decision yeah yeah in uh all the, all the band members are still involved in music in some capacity so mm -hmm. uh yeah that definitely music has been something that will be with us all forever that's good it's, it's nice to be able to do something that you have a passion for too and yeah for sure the reason i was asking about those bands in particular too uh our libido's drummer dj timmons was from the glasgow yeah originally yeah and john landry's from here as well yeah and then uh krista gave me the tony ronald's album there I that you're on one, i got one just to my left yeah, yeah. so yeah. that has mark kosh on it and it has dave gunning on it so yeah. there's a lot of stuff related to you that ties back to Pictou county where i'm from and <laughs> not the home album but the album before i believe you did the cd release party at glasgow square which i was at that too back yeah. then yeah so i'm kind of curious do you have any ties to picto county or is it just we're on the way to halifax uh just met a lot of good people from there um sure. and a dj from our libido his first cousin was the bass player in billy's flick so oh there you go there they you go. were uh yeah, that, that was another connection to them. And I think they would have been done by the time we started playing. Um, but yeah, they definitely inspired us. And yeah, Pictou County, just lot, lots of great musicians there and lots of uh, cool bands from there, like Alert the Medics, uh, mm -hmm. a band from, from the area. And I know Lowell's the one of the best drummers in the world. He's from yeah. Pictou County. So there's... Uh, Oh yeah, I got the contrived shirt. I just saw. Him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, there's just just people who you end up crossing paths with. If you if you're in the music scene for as long as uh, I have, I guess you just eventually cross paths with everyone who's who's in it. And yeah, there's just some good people there, but no no uh, relations in like no relatives in Pickville County really. Mm -hmm. um, just like the, we used to play uh, the Roseland Theater um, years ago. I don't, is that still a thing? Uh, no, that's taken over by uh, Jamie McGillivray. They, they build some kind of vehicles in there now. Okay. It's, so, it's a real fixed up building now, though. It's, so it's I remember when it, when it first uh, transitioned from the theater to being a venue, um that's when yeah my old band billy's flick was we started playing there and uh, i think our first gig we got paid two pizzas was our, our pay and they they didn't have any trouble just getting the audience engaged apparently like the one of the guys there i think his name was paul taylor he had something to do with the he did lights there or something but he was saying yeah the audience is tough to get them to get into bands like they want to listen to the djs we played a set there and it was completely jammed and everyone loved it and then they wanted to have us back as often as possible so we started going there all the time and yeah had had a lot of fun playing there and always as always you got to get a slice of pizza before and yeah after. yeah yeah no the pizza's still a staple down there um yeah. we have a couple 
on that main road, there's uh, East Avenue, which is right near where that venue was. It's a restaurant yeah. that's doing smaller shows now. And then okay. the other end of the road has the spot and uh, Shoebox Cantina, okay. formerly, formerly the commune. So okay, yeah, I didn't really change the name. Yeah. So uh, we were just talking about it on the last interview as well. That keeps coming yeah. up. That's a, that's a central place in, in Glasgow for people from the city, I guess, to come down and play at but yeah there's yeah. there's quite a few little venues down here now and i suppose uh you know gina kennedy somehow too from back in the day yeah she's, yeah she's from here as well and from uh well devin her partner yes um we we got we played uh canadian music week one year and i think we had nine shows in three days it was like the busiest we've ever been it was just play a show just freaking sprint to another venue like carrying amps and all that but anyway one of the shows we played was a house concert and uh devin happened to i don't know if he lived there or his friends lived there but we played this house concert met him met a bunch of cool toronto musicians there and he ended up playing uh, guitar with us for a few shows, like as a sessional musician. So, and then we met uh, Gina through Devin. Oh, cool. So, yeah, she they, they were both just here in the apartment recording because there's another small venue right down on the waterfront here too. So, there's, nice. they're not all built for, like you could probably do your two-piece version at three of the four of those. Yeah. But, uh, shoebox would probably fit the more of your four piece too well we're still pretty loud as a two piece so it, yeah uh, yeah that's true but you did it in your living room so i mean it's doable oh yeah well the the acoustic version of it yeah yeah and it, sure. you've uh, done a few shows too at uh rustic crust that's near near your yeah, area yeah that's um it's like the closest place to where i live in tantalon that i can play music so uh it's right around the corner from me and the owners are just really great there and been trying to get a bunch of live music and during the mm -hmm. summer they have three three or four acts a week so yeah they're really supportive and i i kind of treat those gigs as like i'm gonna try out a few new songs i'm gonna just work on my stage banter because it's because I we do lots of ticketed shows, obviously, and this is just playing at a pizza place where people just come in and don't even know you're playing, and they're not paying for the show. So I I don't want to when we're playing our ticketed events, I don't want to kind of take away sure. from that, you know, like or you can go see me for free here or pay thirty dollars to go see me at another venue. So I make it kind of a different show, and it's kind of like. You hear about like comedians doing like open mic night to kind of get better yeah. at what they do. So I kind of treat it like that. It's like going and trying some new songs and strengthening the voice. I'll sing for three hours straight sometimes. And it's almost like a little musical workout. And you do get that change up because you do have different variations of the band and you have acoustic stuff and then you have yeah. your, your full songs like the album. So how are you finding now that the restrictions are lifted? Like it, I, we talked about this, my brother and I, for this podcast, that the original intention of the podcast, like we were in the dead of COVID lockdowns and we yeah, wanted to yeah. kind of cover the music scene as it was kind of reopening. Yeah. But it very 
quickly get bigger and bigger and bigger really fast so you've got the podcast is ongoing and listening to your most recent episode or just today i think yeah as of the recording um you talked a little bit about potentially doing some more writing in the future as well yeah yeah so is there a plan for new town hero stuff to come out or oh yeah yeah yeah. i well my 100 percent of my life and income is from the arts like i don't have a side job i don't have anything else to rely on don't have a trust fund or whatever so um i and i love creating in any way i can and writing is yeah, I released my first book and co-authored with my wife, Kristen, uh, last November, but I've been writing like as a series writer for probably 10 years or a dozen years. And I don't have any, don't have the credentials near off what I would have in music because yeah, when I, when you're a musician, you can go play a couple shows a week and you're, oh, you're a musician, yeah. but, uh, as a writer, it's like, okay, I've been working on this book for 10 years now and no one even knows that I consider myself a writer. Yeah. But as I do consider myself just as much a writer as I do a songwriter or a musician. And that is an avenue which I am definitely digging into more. And now that I have the kind of first release under my belt, I yeah, lots of different uh, things to explore in terms of publishing and just that that whole the whole literary world is something um i really love but i'm i'm a newbie too so have to kind of figure out the ropes and i have a cousin who's a really successful author and a few friends who are yeah have done great things in the literary world so i have some good uh, mentors to learn from and get advice from but yeah i the music industry i've been living it for a dozen years and uh writing is i've been working at it but not necessarily living it if that makes sure sense. yeah no i absolutely it's uh I, I could see parallels with some other people i've talked to and obviously with some of the stuff that i've been doing here too because yeah. a lot of this came from being a fan so yeah. then doing it and trying to put in a little bit of structure and presentation to it kind of gives you that whole different feel i I can really see how uh you're both you both got to keep doing it because it is what you like to do but then on top of it it being your income yeah necessity to diversify it a little bit too yeah and again i it's it's a little challenging to just know where to put your energy all the time yeah like okay i gotta work on some new town hero songs and also i want to do some revisions on this story i've been working on and so it's and it's not a like a a, ba- a bad thing like it's good to have multiple creative outlets to go towards so i've always tried to to kind of divide and try to grow in every area 
kind of at the same time like maybe if i was only focusing on whatever songwriting i would grow faster as a songwriter but i also want to grow in these different areas so i want to give put enough focus into each one to to keep growing and maybe it's not the the best method but it's the one that i like and i feel like i've improved at everything i do and even as a producer it's like there's lots of people who are producers and work in studios and that's that's their job. That's all I do. But I also want to, again, be a songwriter and be yeah. a performer, be, be on stage entertaining and be able to make funny videos that we release. So it's trying to get good at all these things, then find ways to monetize them and also still enjoy everything that I'm doing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just a little bit of a balancing act. And in life, everybody's going through that, whether they're trying to balance their work with their whatever gym schedule and their kids schedules like everyone's on it. everyone's usually just figuring out some type of balancing act and for me it's just a whole bunch of creative things to to work together and is where you do like to do all of those things and you do have quite a bit of diversity is it important for you as well to have that creative control because you're not like you're an established act. You could be working with other people that are offloading a lot of the work that requires being in a band. Like you could be somebody that doesn't bother with all the production and everything. You could be like, I wrote a really good song. Let's go record it. And somebody else does all the stuff for you being that yeah. you've been around long enough. There's, there's money involved and whatnot, but I mean, you also know how to write a grant. Yeah. Uh, you're choosing to do a lot of it yourself. Is that, to have the, not control, but to give you the creative options. It gives you more opportunity to do well, whatever you want. I think initially it was like, I have to do it all because you can't afford to hire other people. Yeah. And uh, then I just got good enough at these things that I can do them all. And like recording, like I've, I've always been interested in recording and uh, that whole world, but I went back to school about a dozen years ago or so to take a recording program and our very first album birds and fear uh a lot of that was done as my school projects oh, okay so uh from from there it just i i always it was initially to work on town hero songs and to just be able to to do stuff and save money like i can record an album for free here that sounds as good as anything but uh that eventually turned into people wanting me to work on their projects and i'm like oh sure. i've got a studio here that can do that and i love working with other people and especially working with uh people who've never really dove into that world themselves so i've worked with a lot of people who are completely new to the recording world and i'm in the studio every day trying to figure things out so it's nice to just give them suggestions and hey i would try doing this here or even just the structure off a song like you can just on the experience that i have after doing it for a long time i can just give suggestions and a lot of the time they are really happy to have someone who just can guide them along the process. And so ultimately the reason I reached out to 
Bruce is because we're doing a series of the rock recording of the yeah. year. So the the home album obviously did well. I mean, as a fan and with COVID and everything, I, I find I'm a little skewed in how well it did because I'm like, well, everybody knows those songs. But I mean, yeah. not everybody knows the songs. <laughs> Maybe just everyone in my circle. So with all the stuff that you had out this year, what was yeah. the highlight for you yourself? Or what do you want to try to build from going into 2023? Uh, well, yeah, Home, the album was was definitely felt like an accomplishment just because it was an album all about a very specific time in history in a specific place. In 1999, in small town Cape Breton, this is about a two-week period. So was, uh, just the creative uh, way we took that album, I was just really happy with how it turned out and it's telling a story from point A to point B. So when you listen to the tracks, it's a chronological storyline. And a lot of our albums are kind of concept albums. Like there's a general theme, but this one was like, this is a concept album. Yeah. It starts here, ends here. That's the story. And uh, that one I did... I, it was the first album of ours that I kind of did most of the studio work on myself. So a lot of the times I'll, I'll record just guitars and vocals or something, and then we'll hire someone to mix it. But this one, I, I did pretty much everything on it. I recorded it, mixed it, and then we hired someone to master it. But uh, I, didn't, I hadn't mixed anything we released as a band before, and that felt like a big accomplishment. And kind of just gave me uh you know the the belief that i i can put out stuff that can compete with with other people like i because you can write a song and you might think it's awesome and you're like oh this is going to be the best song in the world and either you go pay a bunch of money to have someone do that to record it for you and maybe it turns out the way you want, maybe not. But with this process, I'm like, okay, I wrote the song. Now I'm going to take on everything about it and see if that can compete with everything else that's out there. And at the end of the day, like, I, I think it's, it's, it stands, stands strong against them. It doesn't, maybe not the best album ever made, but I'm definitely proud of it, you know. And that's, that's all you really want in the end uh, be proud of who you were at a specific point in time and what you accomplished. And Absolutely. And well, you're also down for entertainer of the year too. So yeah. Yeah. That's this batch that's going to go out is primarily started as me going down through the list of the entertainers of the year to see who yeah. I can find. So I'm noticing that most of the entertainers of the year are nominated in most multiple categories as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. So it's it's really hard to tell uh, who's going to land anywhere because that one particular category of Entertainer of the Year is really diverse. And that was the only public vote one too, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, it all comes down to this one is all fan voting. So yeah. it kind of depends what your fan base is like and how much effort you put into reaching out to them and... Mm -hmm if you have supporters like because you can have you can have a lot of people who follow you online it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're supported by yeah. them 
Um, we were talking about that with the podcast stuff earlier. I know that we have a lot of people out there that are following us more yeah. so than people that are regular listeners, which it's great. I appreciate everyone out there. And it's, oh, of course, but it, but it is two different things. And when it comes down to things like being up for an award, you need and, the people that are going to interact for those type of things. Exactly. And, and like, I can't remember the exact uh, numbers, but they say it's better to have uh, whatever, a thousand loyal fans than a million kind of people who like, yeah. You. Like yeah. if the, that a thousand people are going to buy your shirts and CDs and come to your shows, you're, you can make a living off that. But if whatever you're uh, a good looking person who makes an Instagram profile and gets famous for whatever dance moves or whatever people get famous for these days, yeah. Um, you, they might not really be true people investing in you. I think just creating those connections with people where they, they feel you're worth investing in. Like, and again, I don't, I don't look at my fans as like, okay, these are people I need to convert into people who will invest in me. Like, that's not at all what I'm thinking. Like, but at the end of the day, when you you know, you, you be real and you just put yourself out there. People can relate to that. And luckily for us, I know we've, we've don't have the biggest fan base in the world by any means, but we do have a good number, a, a group of people that are very supportive. Yeah. And it seems to be very, a very interactive group. Like I said, through COVID, yeah. I was following what you're doing and I just organically over time, I felt like I was part of this little group of people. Yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing, uh, and we've we've always had like kind of a a group of people who are supportive like that, and just like their the videos we put out, and and that's another thing because we do all the the I guess comedic sketch videos, and that are just pure jokes, and yeah. then we have our our music's always super serious. Yeah. So uh, the balancing act between those has kind of been a. I don't want to say challenge, but it's just something we have to be conscious of. Harder, harder to market maybe to some people that are new to it. Yeah, it's just yeah. we just have to be aware of it so we can, if we put, a, anytime we put out a funny video or something, uh, we just always follow up like a few days later with like, hey, we're also a band. This is what we sound like. It's the song about freaking being poor and rural Cape Breton, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not even sure what the how we started this conversation here. But uh, I think we were talking about um, was it just uh, fans in general? Yeah, just like yeah, the, being reciprocal, I guess, and supporting you. It's 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 the core base that's always there is what's yeah. really important to sustain anyone in the arts community. I guess. And the, yeah, the pandemic, well, pandemic was great for us. No, yeah. it uh, obviously uh, posed a lot of challenges for for everybody and us as well. But we just through the methods, the way we we've always interacted with people and try to be a little bit different online and in how we reach people, really helped us. Like doing doing the bingo and the a lot of live performance, like. Mm-hmm. Just, just being online a lot and getting to engage with people really that's when 
this group of people really kind of came together. And yeah. I've seen in real life, like people who met online at our, one of our either bingo or performance or something. And then I, I've seen them meet in real life for the first time. And it's like they're best friends. Like yeah. they might be from two different parts of the country or the world. And they became friends through Facebook online events we hosted. And then they meet up and stay with each other. And like, there's this group of people out there that's, well, yeah, I feel like it's just, it's hard to believe that we were kind of the catalyst in creating yeah. relationships. You became the connection point for a lot of people. Yeah. And that, that's just by us having fun and being yeah, a nice byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. We're couldn't be, couldn't be happier. And we, we've had people come into our life that from, from that, that are like close friends now. And that's, I guess the, the way we want to try to keep reaching people is just creating these events or these just little, little moments that, that show that we're all connected, I guess. And that like the bingo was just a lot, a lot of fun and everyone's having laughs, but everyone just quickly just became themselves, you know, yeah. like they would just, let let go of any <laughs> inhibitions and just have fun and that's we we like to try to create events where people are able to do that and music week it's the thursday evening you guys are playing yeah. so i'll be sure to check that out and anyone listening that's heading to sydney should listen as well and i hate to cut you off we'll have to have you on again i'm gonna the recording is gonna stop on us and like a minute or something <laughs> all good buddy so uh congratulations on the nominations and best of luck yeah, and uh getting closer to music week i may reach out there and see what you guys are up to so i can uh hook yeah. up with you sometime on site definitely man would love to chat and uh best of luck to you with the the podcast hope uh, lots of people you. tuning in and uh thanks for supporting the east coast music scene like you are it means a lot to me and to to everybody involved oh it's been great i hope to keep doing it as long as possible there you go if you guys want to follow us we're available many locations uh not very busy in every location but we're we're available and uh, you can find us in the link tree link down in the show notes or wherever you're watching this or listening to this you go below it there's words the words will be there and you can click on the thing and it'll take subscribe yeah. Subscribe on YouTube or your favorite Smash the like app. button. Subscribe. Yes. Hit the exactly. bell. Ding. And we do not know what the next one's going to be after the series. So definitely subscribe so you can keep track of it. Yes. And let us know if you think we should do something different. Let us know if you find out what we're doing next. When you find out, let us know. So we are in the loop. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, it's a busy week, and we'll catch you either tomorrow or in a couple weeks or on Monday, depending on what day you listen to this episode, because we're honestly recording the outro and just copy and pasting it all through the week. Keep rocking. Bye again. <laughs> Build a world is all we need. Help together with our dreams climb a mountain go through hell 